Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. There is something interesting about the number seven. Uh, the number seven carries some significance to it. Uh, think about it. There are seven continents, right, on, on the planet. Um, in uh, the Western musical scale, there are seven notes. Uh, there are seven bones in almost every mammal's neck. Like, so think about this. This is crazy. Uh, if you've ever been to the, to the zoo and seen the giraffes, a giraffe has the same number of bones in its neck as you do. That blows my mind. Seven. It's such an interesting number. There are seven layers of your skin, right? Like seven layers. Uh, <laughs> there are seven holes in your head. Go ahead and count them. See, that's what you're doing already. You got two, 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 and one, right? Like you got seven holes in your head. Um, in 1956, a guy named George Miller, professor at Harvard University, uh, wrote what has become to be a classical uh, article in the world of psychology about the number seven. And here's what it's called. It's just simply the magical number seven plus or minus two. Um, <laughs> Well, and what he this was a this was a, a foundational piece of like research into how the mind works because what Professor Miller discovered is that seven represents the the memory capacity for most people's short term memory. Seven is kind of some people might be eight or nine items they can hold in their mind. Some people might be less, six or five, amen, if that's you. Uh, but, uh, but he said seven is pretty much the upper limit of our short-term memory, seven items. This is why before the advent of uh, smartphones, why all phone numbers only had seven digits plus their area code. You weren't usually calling... Did, when you called somebody long distance, you usually, unless it was like your home number, you had to look it up. Yeah. Like my mom kept, we had one of those rotary phones on the side of the wall where you're like, and right beside her phone, she kept a little, a little notebook of every important phone number of every family person that we had. Because they were all long distance, and you had to remember their area code. But now our smartphones, we don't even have to, I don't even know my number. I couldn't even tell you. It's like it's something. I've had it for like 15 years, and I've forgotten it. It's just, it just hit my name, and, and that's how you call me. But what they discovered uh, when, when they were, you know, working out, well, how are we going to uh, work this system so that we can call people, that, that the difference between seven digits in a phone number and eight, when they moved up to eight, the number of wrong numbers dialed skyrocketed. It just, it, it skyrocketed because seven is kind of the limit of what we can recall easily in our memory. Of course, seven is all throughout scripture, right? Like it's at the very beginning, you know, you've got seven days in the, in the creation story, six days God created, then day seven he rested. That kind of sets up, really, think about this, the entire world since then operates kind of on a seven-day week. I mean, all over the planet, we operate on a seven-day week. Week, six days of work, one day of rest. If you get that one day of rest, you're thankful for it and you're like, yes. Uh, you keep on going in scripture, of course. Um, you, you come into the story of Joshua. 
uh, God told Joshua to, for seven days, circle the city of Jericho. And then on the seventh day, circle it seven times, you know? Seven's all over the place. You keep going in the story um, that when the, when the Israelites go into captivity in Babylon, they're there for 70 years, another seven. Uh, you get to the end of the book, you got Revelation, and it's like seven explodes, right? Like seven churches, seven trumpets, seven seals, seven bowls, you know? Jesus had seven disciples plus five. It doesn't always work, okay? But anyway, one of the seven... One of those sevens is that in the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus identifies himself as I am. Seven times Jesus um, told us who he was or who he is. And seven is a number of, of completion. It's a number of fullness. And so in a way, in the Gospel of John, we have the full identity of Jesus as revealed by Jesus. Nobody else defining him. Nobody else putting a label on him. Nobody else saying, well, this is who you are. No, Jesus seven times saying, I am. He went on to tell us who he was or who he is. And so this is what we're going to do during this series. Uh, last year, we looked at the seven last words of Jesus. This year, we're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. It's going to take us all the way up to Easter. We're going to, today, we're going to talk about I am the bread of life. And then we're going to talk about I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to save that one for Easter Sunday. And we're going to preach the resurrection. And people are going to go from death to life because of Jesus. Amen? Because he's the resurrection and the life. That was a, like, it was like unison, amen. That was awesome. <laughs> it's like in the Gospel of John, it, it, it's kind of like Jesus says, hey, you want to know who I am? Well, here you go. Seven statements. John chapter 6 is where we're going to start. I am the bread of life. I want to talk to you for just a few moments today uh, under the idea that bread can be bread. Bread can be bread. If you're a titler, if you like to write down the title of a message, that's it. Bread can be bread. John chapter 6, verse 26. Let me kind of set this up before we start reading it. Um, Jesus is with his disciples, 7 plus 5, and they are tired. They're exhausted. Like they've been work, they've been going at like breakneck speed, okay? They've been ministering here, they've been walking there, they've been, Jesus has been healing people here. He's been meeting a woman at a well there, and then he goes and he heals some more people, and, and they've just been busy, and so they want to get away. They want to have a little bit of a break, just some time to, to kind of get off by themselves and refresh and, 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 and relax just a moment. In fact, Matthew tells us in his telling of this story that, that they were looking for a solitary place, just a place to, you know, quiet everything down and just kind of recenter themselves. But of course, the crowds show up. Uh, Jesus can't seem to catch a break. He can't get a weekend away because, because when you start healing people and then those people tell other people and people start finding out that there's healing in your ministry, they tell people and you can't keep the crowds away. This is what happened in Jesus's ministry. And so the disciples are kind of frustrated. They're annoyed at this. But Jesus, it says Jesus looked on the crowd and he had compassion. He looked at them and 
and his heart opened up to them. And so he turns to his, one of his followers named Philip, and John tells us this. He, he looks at Philip and he says, hey, Philip, where can we get bread for all these people? And Philip looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, we don't have that kind of money, man. Like, don't you realize that because this crowd was huge, it tells us that there were 5,000 men plus the women and children. This is just ginormous crowd. And Philip says, Jesus, we would have to work for eight months to get money to buy food for all these people. This is like, we just need to send them away. Like, like let them figure it out, Jesus. We can't, we can't. Like, let our heart lead here. We got to be, we got to be sensible about things, Jesus. And so um, another disciple named Andrew, uh, Peter's brother, he pipes up and he says, well, Jesus, we've got, we've got this one little kid's uh, kid's meal. He went to, he went to Captain D's and got a kid's <laughs> meal of fish tacos. Five loaves, two fish. That sounds like fish tacos to me. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go with it, okay? So Andrew says, Andrew says, Jesus, we got some fish tacos here, uh, but I don't think it's going to work. And Jesus says, bring me what you have. Because Jesus will always ask us to bring us what we have, not what we don't have. God will work with what you give him, not what you don't have. Because the elements, here's the thing, man, I'm not preaching about this, but the elements of a miracle are always within your reach. A lot of times we think like, if I just had this, if, if God would just, if, if I could just get this, then I, no, no, no. All that you need, God has put within your grasp. You just have to surrender it to him. And, and that's what happens. And so they, they bring Jesus these, these, these fish and, and these loaves of bread and he blesses it because God will always bless what we give to him and he'll make more out of it. In fact, when we give it to God, not only does he bless it, but he multiplies it. And that's what happens in the story. So they pass out this, this fish taco kids meal and, and all of a sudden it feeds the whole multitude and everybody has their full and, and then they start picking up the leftovers and scripture tells us they pick up 12 basketfuls of leftover because our God is a God of more than enough, not just enough. And so he feeds the whole crowd. And finally, with their bellies full, and, and you know, you got that full belly, you kind of take that nap. So everybody's kind of relaxing. Jesus thinks, okay, now we maybe can get away. Maybe now we can kind of slip away and just get some time with me and my, and my, my, my closest friends. So Jesus tells them to get in the boat and to go across the lake, and he's going to join them later. So, so they go this way, and he goes that way up a mountain to pray because Jesus understands that, that when, when um, blessing flows out, that, that you, can't, you can't continually pour out without sit, spending some time letting God replenish you and pour back into you. And, and, and you, 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 you do the miracle. You see God move, and then you get alone with God. And that's what Jesus does. He, he spends some time with his Father. But his disciples, they're on the boat, and um, a storm comes up. And they start to get nervous, but they look and they see Jesus walking on the water out to them as one does when one is the Son of God. He just walks out on the water. He gets in the boat. The storm quiets down. They go over to the other side of the, of the lake. And finally, now we're finally, we're going to get our rest, right? We're going to finally get our break. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong, because at this point, it's morning. And the, and the people on the other side of the lake, they're waking up. And what do you do when you wake up? You look for something to eat. And that's them. They're like, wait a second. Where did Jesus go? We want some more of that bread. 
Like we, we want some, where did those leftovers go? We want some more. So they start looking for Jesus. Well, like, well the disciple, the, he, he, the, his followers went that way, but he didn't go with them. So he's not on the other side of the lake or we would have seen him. So he went, so they can't find him. So they find him on the other side of the lake and they say, Jesus, how'd you get here? Because we watched you. You didn't go with them. You went by yourself and there wasn't another boat. So how did you get here? And that's where we pick up the story. Verse 26, Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then the crowd looks at Jesus and they say, well, Jesus, we, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus says, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And so they answered them. They said, hey, well then, well then show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Hold on. Let's pause right there. Yeah. <laughs> he just fed them. He just did a miracle. Like, he, he did that yesterday. He fed all of y'all with, with, with five loaves of bread and two fish. They had just seen a sign, but they still don't believe. You see, some people, no matter what God does, they still find a reason. To, they, they still find some way to write it off, right. to, 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 to disbelieve. Some people refuse to step outside of their unbelief. God is doing miracles right in front of them, but all they can say is, give me another sign. I want another sign. I need to see something else. I need to see God, God do something else. See, doubt is okay. Uncertainty, you don't have to be like 100% sure about everything all the time. There is some mystery when it comes to God. If we could figure all of God out, then, then God would only be the size of our intellect, and God is much bigger than that. So, of course, we're not going to figure it all out. But when God shows up, you recognize that he showed up. You know what I mean? Like, God, Jesus, can you do something else? I fed you yesterday. I know, but I'm hungry right now. Listen to what they said. Verse 31. Look at this. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. In other words, they said, okay, Jesus, you fed us yesterday. That's great. Can you feed us for 40 years? <laughs> if you'll do that for us, Jesus, then we'll believe in you. And people like trying to tell Jesus how to do the miracles of Jesus. That's just, it's interesting. But Jesus responds and look what he says. And this is where we find our, our, our key verse for the day. He says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, they look at Jesus and they say, sir, give us that bread. Whatever you're talking, give us that every day. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
Just a few thoughts about this idea of bread of life. I think that I think that many of us, like the people in this crowd, I think that we tend to focus on what we eat. We tend to focus on food. And of course, you know, what I mean by that is, is not just food for our bellies, but all of the stuff that we, that we want to take in, you know, all of the things that we think we need for, for life. And just like the crowd, some of us come to God, not for God himself, but what we can get out of the relationship. You know what I mean? Like we come to God for what we can get from God. The crowd comes to Jesus, not because this is what Jesus says. You didn't come to me because you want to spend time with me. You came because you want more food. You're in it not for Jesus. You're in it for what Jesus can do for you. You're not really in it for him. What we call these people are moochers. <laughs> this is most of us when we're in college. Okay? This is this is just on the other side of adolescent spiritual development. This is college Jesus, right? Like college Jesus follower. I'm just in it for what I can get out of it. Like, like if you'll invite me over to your house for dinner, I will clean out all of your cabinets, eat all of your cereal and your leftovers too, you know? Anybody ever been a college student? Know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you don't, you don't know when you're getting your next bite of food, so you're going to eat all you can. But what Jesus wants them to see is that the food... Like, like, the food is fine. Like, listen, bread is okay. Like, you got to have food. I get that. Jesus like, I understand you got to have food because I, I created you, right? Like, the word was with God in the beginning and through the word all this was created. So I get it. you got to have food. But the food was meant to point to something bigger. You see, the purpose of the sign was only to point to the source. Let me say that again because I don't think you caught that. The purpose of the sign was simply to point to the source. But the crowd was ignoring the source because they wanted the sign. This is foolishness, right? Like we understand this, okay? Let's say that you're, um, you're in school. Those of you, the kids who are in school, uh, attend school, right? Like let's say that, that you're at school and let's imagine, they probably don't have this, but let's just imagine that that you're thirsty, okay, and they still have drinking fountains. Do schools still have drinking fountains? I don't even know. Okay. They're disgusting. Um, But let's imagine that you're thirsty, and you see the sign that says drinking fountain. You know what you don't do? You don't go start licking the sign. That's like, we're all like, what? No, of course you don't. You don't go lick the sign because the sign is just there to point to the source. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's imagine those of you who fly in in an airport, right? Let's say you look at your ticket, and it's like gate D7. Awesome. Okay, so I go to the airport. I get to the the, the D terminal. I find gate D7. I find the sign that says D7. I don't just, like, sit down and, like, I arrived. (laughs) No, because the sign points to something Bigger. The sign is not the destination. It's just a pointer to the destination. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, listen. Moses was a sign. Moses, that bread, that bread was pointing to the day when the real bread of life would come down. That, was, that, that, that story, the bread, the manna, all of that, that was pointing to me, Jesus says. And you're missing it because all you care about is getting more bread. 
You're so consumed with getting more bread that you're missing out on bread. And it's easy. Listen, it's easy to live that way. It's easy to live the life where the needs of the temporary, they're so tangible. They're, They're so... They're they're so immediate, they're so present, that it's easy to lose sight of the eternal. It's easy to lose focus of of what God wants to do big picture because all we can think about is the food that we want to eat now. But see, the food that we eat now, it gives us energy, right? Like it gives us energy. Uh, We're not hungry anymore. But eventually, not trying to get TMI, but eventually it's going to be eliminated, Okay, it's going to leave your body. And guess what? You're going to be hungry again. You're going to be hungry again. And that's a picture of how we live our lives so often, man. We, we live our lives chasing after things to satisfy a hunger inside of us. But eventually that thing that we're chasing that satisfies the hunger temporarily is going to leave. It's going to be eliminated. And then we're just going to be hungry again. And sometimes it's good stuff, sometimes it's bad stuff, right? Like, like we chase after things, desires, success, blessing, sinful habits. Like, let's, let's just be real, you know? Like, uh, we, we chase after things we know we ought not to, addictions and, 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 and internet websites. And, and here's what we do. Oh, gosh, this is what we do. This is how it leaves us. And then it's like, I'm hungry again. Because what happens is you go, you do that thing that that satisfies that hunger for a moment. And then you feel guilty and you say, I'm never going to do it again. And then you get hungry and you do it again. Because that's the way it happens. You, when, when, when you satisfy your life with, with, um, with, with something that can't ultimately satisfy you, you just end up hungry again. And it doesn't have to be bad. We do it with good things. We do it with work. We do it with relationships. We do it with our spouse, with our kids, with money. We do it with social media. We do it with, like, if I can just get, you know, up to this level of friends or this number of likes on this, then I'll feel really validated. And, and if I can just get this boy who goes to school with me to like my post, then I'll know that I've been seen and known and I'll feel something on the inside. But the result is the same. When the sign becomes the source, the payoff is always needing more. When you switch the things, when your sign becomes your source, when the thing that, that, that is only temporary, you lay on it the weight of your, your eternity, when you lay on it the weight of satisfaction, of fulfillment, The payoff is you always need more. Delete, reinstall, delete, reinstall, delete, reinstall. And it happens in in all kinds of things, man. Like it doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be a sinful habit. It could be going after finances. It could be going after that promotion. When that promotion becomes your source, then when you get the promotion, you find you need another promotion. God, it's not that God doesn't want you to have that promotion. He just doesn't want that promotion to have you. Does that make sense? See, when the source becomes the sign, the payoff is always needing more. So what do we need to do? Rather than focusing on what we, what we eat, we need to focus on what we need. We need bread of a different kind. We, don't, we need bread of something we're, we're hungry for can't be fulfilled with more of this and more of that, because what we're ultimately hungry for, and this is what Jesus tells us, is is God. That that we are hungry for the presence of God, for the heart of God, to to experience the 
the unveiled presence of the Father is what we all long for. It's what is, is in our hearts. And, and Jesus says, when you experience that, he says, I am the bread of life. When you eat this bread, you'll never be hungry again. You, you see, when you eat the bread and the fish, you want more bread and fish. And, and you're coming asking for more bread and fish when what you should ask for is something that can satisfy your soul because that's where you're hungry. That's what Jesus is telling the crowd. He's telling them, look, you don't need anything else from God. You just need God. We don't need anything else from God. We don't need God to do anything else. Nothing can replace simply knowing him and worshiping him and loving him. And here's the crazy thing. Like, they had this opportunity. Like, Jesus is right there in front of him. Life bursting all around him. Creative energy just exploding in his presence. And all they can say is, hey, you got any more of that bread? I'd really like some more of that bread, Jesus. I am convinced, man. I'm convinced that most of the things that we worry about, and in fact, a lot of the things that we bring to God in prayer, not that you can't bring anything to God in prayer. You can't. God wants to hear you. He wants you to cast all of your care and anxiety on him. But I'm convinced that most of the things that we bring to him in prayer, we won't even be worried about in 10 years. Like, they won't even matter. It, it won't even matter in 10 years. And those things are great. Listen, like I said, God wants you to have that blessing. God wants you to have that success. He wants you to feel that. He wants you to be in relationship. He wants you, like those, some of those desires, they're good, they're healthy, they're normal. They're, they're, they're fine, but, but what we need is God. And make no mistake, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that is exactly what he's declaring himself to be, God. Unequivocal, he says to them, I am God. I'll prove it to you right here. This is what Jesus says. So when he says, I am the bread of life, in, in the Greek language that John is writing this in, you can say the phrase, I am, two different ways. Uh, the first one that you can say is ego, which is where we get the word ego, right? Like egotistical, egomaniac, it's, it's self, like I am. That's what ego would translate as from, from the Greek. Ego means I am. And there's another way to say uh, I am in in. New Testament Greek, and that's Amy, E-I-M-I, -I, right? Amy. So you have ego and you have Amy. But Jesus didn't say either of those. He said both. When he says, I am the bread of life, he says, ego, Amy, bread of life. I am, I am the bread of life. And he didn't stutter because major pain had not intimidated him. <laughs> I just want to give Aaron a high five. Because he gets my movie jokes and references. I appreciate that. Why is that so important? Let's jump back real quick. Jump back to what you remember about Moses, the Exodus story. It's not a coincidence that John includes this link just to trigger our minds about Moses. Back when Moses is on the backside of the desert, backside of the wilderness, tending his father-in-law's flock, he's run away from Egypt, he's just out in hiding, right? Most of us know the story. If we've seen the Prince of Egypt, then we're familiar with it. Um, Moses is, is kind of minding his own business and then he sees this burning bush, right? And it's not just crazy enough that the bush is burning but it's not being consumed, but the bush starts talking to him, okay? It's a crazy story, but it turns out the bush is God. God starts talking to Moses. And God tells Moses, he says, Moses, I've chosen you to lead my people out of, Israel, out of, out of Egypt. I've heard their cries and I'm sending you to bring them out. 
And Moses kind of argues with him, and he's like, I don't think I can do that. And, and finally, Moses kind of says, well, well, wait a second. If I go to the people and I tell them that their God has sent me to lead them out, they're going to ask me, what's his name? Because up until now, the only way we can relate to you, God, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't really know who you are. We don't know your name. So what am I going to tell them? Like, that's what happens. Look at this. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what am I going to tell them? What am I going to tell them, God? We don't know your name. And God replies to Moses, he says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, which Jesus would have been familiar with, this phrase, I am who I am, is translated, ego, amy. So when the crowd says, give us more of that bread, we want more of that bread, that bread that's never going to, that, that we're never going to be hungry again. Give us that bread. Jesus says, Echo, Amy. I am, I am the bread of life. I am God. This is what Jesus tells them. I am God and I am the bread of life. And I am is such a perfect name for God. Right? Because we spend so much of our time thinking about what we're not, how we lack. It's like, God, I'm not that. And God says, I am. God, I can't do that. I know I can. God, God, I struggle so much. I don't. I'm so inconsistent. I'm faithful. God, I don't have enough, but I do because I am. And here's the thing. When you know his identity, then you can start figuring out your own. Our culture's on a chase for identity. I need to go find myself and discover who I am. No, no, no. You need to find Jesus because you need to find the I am because when I, listen, listen, listen. When, when you know I am, it changes who I am. I don't need to find myself. I need to find him. And when I find him, then I find me. And Moses experienced that. Moses was different from that day on. And that's what we need, not just things from God, but God himself. So Jesus says, listen, listen, once you sink your teeth into the bread of life, once you, as, Psalm, as the psalmist would put it, once you taste and see that the Lord is good, only then can you actually enjoy real bread. Only when you've tasted the bread of life can you enjoy bread properly. Bread as a meal is a mistake. I make it all the time when I go to Outback. <laughs> you would think I would learn, but they bring that little brown bread loaf out and the butter, and I start cutting it. You would think I would understand, but I don't. I do it every time. I fill up on bread, and then when they bring the steak out, I'm hurting because I'm focused on, I'm not focused on what I came to Outback for. But if I can stay focused on my goal for Outback, then bread can be bread, right? You want more bread? No, thanks. I got my mind on my steak and steak on my mind. I keep that bread away from me. When, 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 when you know Jesus is the bread of life, then you can enjoy bread. Because the bread, the bread doesn't have to 
sustain you. You can enjoy your job, your car, your relationships, your success. You can enjoy them all without them dominating your life. You can hold the bread in your hand without it being in your heart. Because bread is, bread is good. Bread is awesome when bread doesn't have to sustain us. When bread isn't what we're relying on for eternity. So bread comes, bread goes. Blessed be the bread of life. <laughs> bread, bread can come into my life. I can, I can have a day where I've got a lot of bread, and I can have another day where I don't have a lot of bread. But it's okay, because I know the one who is the bread of life. I know Jesus. So I can have a lot of bread, I can have a little bit of bread. But when I know the bread of life, then bread can be bread. So how do we receive that? How do we receive the bread of life? Jesus tells us. It's real interesting. This is what the crowd, what are we going to do to get that bread, Jesus? Because, right, like what we always do is we always make our relationship with God transactional instead of relational because that's who God is. He's a relational God. But we want to know, God, what do I need to do to get what you got for me? What's the transaction? Because transactions put us in control. It, it, it makes God work on our timeline, on our timetable, but God will not be controlled. And so Jesus says, listen, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You, he, he says, you want, to know how to, you want to know how to get this bread? He says, like, grab a pen. Here you go. And so they're ready for their religious answer. They're ready for, okay, how do I get the bread? All right, ready, ready, Jesus. How do I get the bread? And look what Jesus says. John chapter 6, verse 29, he says, this is the only work God wants you from, from, from you. Believe. Wait, what? Just trust. Just trust. Well, no, Jesus, what do I have to do? Just trust me. Just trust. Just, just believe. Trust that I am the I am. Trust that I come with the seal of approval from God Almighty. I'm certified fresh, FDA approved. This bread isn't stale. It's not moldy. It's ready for you anytime you need life. It's bread. And when you, can, when, when you know bread, then bread can be bread. It doesn't have to be everything in your life. So here's the way I want us to wrap up today. I thought this would be a great time to just spend some time worshiping Jesus. Just declaring the name of Jesus over our lives. And you might find yourself like those people in the crowd. You might find yourself like, Jesus, that's great, but I actually kind of need some bread right now. Like there are some things I need from you. God understands that. God knows that there are times in our lives where we need God's activity and work in our, in, in, our, in, in our environment. But he just wants you to spend some... Remember what Jesus said? He said, you didn't come here for me. What would Jesus do in our lives if he knew we just showed up for him? Jesus, I just showed up for you. I don't even need the bread. I don't even need the fish. I don't need you to do another miracle. I'm not looking for another sign. I'm just here for you. What would, what would that do in his heart, man? What would that do in his, in, in, his, in his love for us? Not that we could ever earn his love or earn his affection, but, but you know how it goes like with, with your kids when they just want to like spend time with you. 
It's like I love you all that I can love you and somehow I love you more. Because I just, I just enjoy when you want to be with me. Not for the handout, not for the thing I'm going to get and put in your hand. Trust me, I'm going to put all kinds of stuff in your hand, but when you just want to be with me, that's great. So can we do that this, this afternoon? I'm just going to encourage you just to stand. And, and Pastor Hope's just going to sing through uh, one of the songs we did in the worship set uh, earlier. Just the name of Jesus and declaring that name. And just let your heart. Listen, listen, here's what God wants to do. This is what Jesus wants to do. The same thing he wanted to do with his disciples. He just wants to get away for a moment with you. Just to break away from the noise, just to break away from the, from the fast pace, day in, day out, six days of working. He just wants to break away with you for a moment and spend some time reconnecting, refreshing you. Sink your teeth into the bread of life and you'll never be hungry again, Jesus says. Drink from the well that I will dig in you and you'll never be thirsty again. You won't have to go searching for, for something to quench that thirst, to satisfy you because all that you'll need is found in me. Because I am. I am. Jesus. Come on, can we sing that together? Just sing out the name Jesus. Jesus, Come on, all over the room this afternoon. Let's just take a moment just to recenter our life on the bread of life. Oh, Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Come on, is he the center of it all for you? If he's not, right now is the perfect time. To take that step and to make that move. Listen, is Jesus sitting in the in the king's seat in your life? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? Is he the is he the center of it all? If he is, just spend this time praising him. Just spend him time giving him thanks and giving him glory giving him honor. Lord, we don't need anything from you. We just want to spend time with you. But if he's not what Jesus tells you today, if he's not that, trust. Trust. Trust him. Come on, trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Everything that you need, this is the, the paradox you can keep on singing. I'll, yeah, keep on going. This is the paradox of spirituality, the paradox of Jesus. When Jesus is all you need, all that other stuff gets added to you. That's what he said. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. When all you need is the presence of God, all you want is found in his presence. Some of you want, some of you need healing.
this evening. Some of you need a financial breakthrough. Some of you need uh, uh, clarity in your decision making. Some of you need some of you need a, a, a lifting of a heaviness that's been weighing on your mind and shoulders. And what God wants you to understand, it's all found in His presence. It's all found in His presence. Spend time gazing into His face. And you'll find you receive things from his hand. Oh, Feast on the bread of life. You're the king and you'll never be hungry again. On every eye, every every tongue. Oh, for every eye will see. Come on, just declare every this over your life. There is no There's no other name. Jesus, we tell you, we declare, there's no other name. Death couldn't hold you down. No grave was strong enough to keep you bound. Every sin, every darkness that tries to intersect my life has to bow to the name of Jesus. Sin and sickness have to bow to the name of Jesus. Every heart's going to know that there's no one like Jesus. Come on, just give him praise this afternoon. Come on, come on, you're almost there. Just spend some moments in his presence. No grave could keep him bound. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing it out. One more time, just sing it out. Sing it out to him as a... As a song of declaration to him. Jesus, you're in throne. Jesus, you're the center of my world. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Jesus, you are the center of it all. You are the I am, I am. You are my bread of life. You are the light of the world. You are the good shepherd. You are the gate. You are the door. You are the resurrection and the life. You are the vine. All that I need is found in you. Today, today, maybe you just need to renew your commitment to, to Jesus as the center of it all. Jesus enthroned on the praises of your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're the king you, and you're the center of it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for every moment that we get to spend just being pulled away from, for, for, a, for a moment, just away from the noise, away from the crowd, away from the distractions, away from, uh, away from being mom and dad, away from being brother and sister, away from being employer or employee, away from being uh, uh, chief or away from being lieutenant, away from being uh, a worker, away from, away from all of that where we can just be son or daughter let you pour into us just to spend that time in your presence renewing that love, renewing that relationship Lord let life flow from that place that we stand before you completely known, completely loved 
completely accepted. Not, not in need of anything to be in your presence. We love you, Jesus. If you love him, can you say amen this afternoon? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.